Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. I wonder if we could take a trip together today, right now. It's going to be a mental trip, but it's really important to set the stage of understanding how we got to where we are in terms of uric acid. So the trip we're gonna take, you ready? We're going back to the Paleolithic time. All right, now we're back to Paleolithic and I wanna show you something. A couple things, we talk about omega-3 and we talk about omega-6 as if they're diametrically oppositional and they hate each other. One's all about inflammation and the other's all about anti-inflammation. That's pretty much true and we get fish oil, which has EPA and DHA, right? That's the omega-3. And then we get arachidonic acid, which we get basically also in all animal meats, fish, chicken, poultry, game at large. All right, so that's it. But here, all the grass right here that grows in the spring and into the summer is omega-3 as well. They call it terrestrial. So it's alpha-linolenic acid, otherwise known as ALA. So then along comes the fall, late summer, what happens? Well, it goes to seed and you get grasses. It could be rye, it could be wheat, it could be all grains. So now what we have is late summer and fall, we have seeds, we have grains. In these grains is omega-6. Early spring, the luscious, green, juicy grasses are omega-3, ALA. The grains are omega-6. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, the meats that we have eaten in Paleolithic time, they grazed on grass They because it was much more nutritious. So from spring, they got the early grasses and they roved around and they got the grasses. Well, along comes modern agriculture in the last thousand years, if not the last 10,000 years, mostly it's the last couple hundred years, they basically siloed all the grains and they gave the grains to the cattle in the barns. So whether it's sheep or lamb, uh, well, same thing, right? Sheep or cattle or pigs for the most part. Pigs got a lot of other different things, but they started eating grains. So they went from a rich omega three diet, ALA, to a really rich omega-6. That changed their whole fatty acid composition 
that we then consumed. And that's how it's been today in pigs and chickens and so on. For the most part, they are fed grains and certainly cattle is fed grains as well. So that whole omega-3, omega-6 ratio that ideally is one to one is now 16, 20 to one. And this is what we eat. This is what I've covered before. So when we talk about the seasonality of going from omega-3 to omega-6, in terms of late summer, early spring, what happens? Well, that's when the fruits come out. So fructose, which we talk about, oh, fructose. We have a fructose problem. Fructose is the cause of high uric acid, which is the cause of gout, which is the cause of dementia, which is the cause of yada, 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 heart disease. It is, all those things are true. But the fructose was actually an evolutionary gift. It was toxic. Can you imagine not being able to eat fruit? Think of, if you can't eat fruit because it's toxic, because you can't digest the fructose, well, that means you can't get the sugar, the glucose. And the glucose was the fire fuel. That was the fuel that made us go for the most part. We needed glucose. We also needed fat. That's ketones, different thing. But we couldn't access that glucose. When we evolved to finally be able to digest some fructose, not a lot, that was a miracle. Suddenly it opened up the door to the glucose that's in the fruit. And some of the fructose we could convert to glucose. Amazing. That was a big win about 14 million years ago. So some people are bored with that win, but that's it. So now along comes a situation in which we have so much fructose in our diet, usually high fructose corn syrup, but that's really only sugar. It's sucrose, but we have it all over the place. It's become so cheap. So now we're flooded with fructose. So this evolutionary gift, which allowed us to digest fructose, it's become a curse because we're limited. Talked about the polyol pathway and the, the myth of the uh, fructose finally exposed in previous videos. But the good thing about that polyol pathway or the sorbitol pathway, same name, same pathway, different name, is it allows us to take the fructose and convert it into fat. So come late summer and fall when we're eating the fruits, now we're talking about paleolithic time, we can pack on the fat because in the winter, nothing grows. In the winter, nothing's available. Nothing's available at all. And so we get to die, we, like a bear, we get to have our fat with us. And so the great apes and the humans, certainly they went into the northern latitudes, packed on the fats because they had to endure a winter to make it to the spring to once again get to the animals that were eating the omega-3s. Okay, so that was the good thing. But now we have fructose year round and we pack on the fats. So some people think the uric acid story ends right there. It's all about fructose. You just, you just showed us that it goes through this pathway that we have too much, that it goes to fat, but some of it can go to glucose. Yep, that's it, that's the story. But the thing is, what happens, what's the dividing line between fructose going to glucose that we can use immediately, to fructose going to fats or triglycerides? It's that the liver gets depleted. The liver gets depleted of phosphates. Not that you really need to know that, but ATP that you studied in high school, we all knew that. That's the, that's the cash, that's the coinage, that's the, that's the thing that we need to use, ATP, to power everything. So once we start running out of ATP, it breaks down. ATP breaks down into, pro, into purines, 
Ah, purines, the purine story. So that's what happens as we pack on the fat from too much fructose, from wherever the source is now, we are actually de depleting the liver. We're depleting the liver by fructose. But guess what else depletes the liver? Same pathway or the same usage of ATP. You have all these alcohol sugars, these polyols, same name. These polyols, when they come in, they deplete the liver as well. So what are the polyols? They're the xylitols, they're the mannose, and, they're, and so on and so forth. Um, and so sud suddenly, it's like another layer of fructose. We're depleting the liver even more, and we're packing on the fat because of that, right? It's depleting the liver, but it's creating a lot of purines. So excess fructose creates purines. The sorbitols, the sorbitols, well, that's an alcohol sugar. All the polyols or the alcohol sugars are depleting the liver. That's creating purines. And basically, anything that the liver has to detoxify, it's using ATP, creates purines. So the story of elevated uric acid to gout that we've talked about before is all about purines, but you are making the purines. You're not eating them. You could say, okay, you're, you're having a high purine diet or, and a few other things, but that really isn't the story today. Now I'm taking you out of Paleolithic time and I'm putting you into 2022. I'm saying that is not the story. Some people, some people may overeat purines, but if they are not having any alcohol sugars, if they are not having any other toxins that your liver has to use ATP for, then they probably have an old fashioned story, just too much purines that they're actually eating. But for most of us, but for most of us, the purine problem that we have that dries up the uric acid is all about overextending the liver. It's breaking down, it's storing the fructose, making it into a triglyceride. It is breaking down those the polyol sugars and turning it into fats. It is having to detoxify things. So anything that is using the ATP and depletes the liver of the DT, pushes it beyond its ability to deal with it, it breaks down to purines. So your purine problem is, or your gout problem is a purine problem. Your elevated uric acid is a purine problem. Your perhaps dementia or heart conditions, all those cardiometabolic conditions we talked about is a purine problem, but the question isn't where is your purines coming from in your diet? The question is where is your purines coming from in the stuff your liver has to work on? The fructose first, and that was an environmental gift, right? We talked about being able to get the glucose and the fructose from things we couldn't eat before. Then the alcohol sugars, and then basically anything the liver has to detoxify. And we have a lot of that today in our environment. So the liver has got a lot of work to do, much more work than it signed up for 14 million years ago. We've taken it on a trip. It's getting depleted. And why do you think we all have fatty liver? Most people have fatty liver, not everybody, of course, which is measured on MRI. It's a real deal. So whether it's non-alcoholic fatty liver or fatty liver alcohol, it's the same context with or without the alcohol, so to say. It's still depleting the liver which means you're breaking down the ATPs into purines. Your purines are not being able to be handled and they're turning into uric acid. So there you go. So here we are 
mid-October, eastern North Carolina. By the way, it's at the exact same latitude as Crete. And so we kind of refer this to our Cretan diet, just by luck. Here we have grapes that have obviously gone, gone by. The grapes go by, we're just playing with them, late summer, right? Late summer. Fructose, grapes, late summer. Now over here, we're looking at figs. Another rather Cretan standard dietary thing. Figs. When do they come out? They come out here in eastern North Carolina about late, mid to late July. So summer. Fructose. You can store frigs. So the point is, there's a seasonality to fructose. Fructose is not a spring thing. It's not a winter thing in the Paleolithic context that I'm telling you about. But that's natural. And so finally, we get to have a fruit. And in the fruit, I get some sugar that's converted from the fructose to all that glucose is in there. I am rich because food is hard to come by. And suddenly, I get this incredible plant or that incredible plant. And the third one would be olives, of course, in Crete, which has the oldest olive plant in the world. But they're big in olive oils, and olive oil provides a whole nother thing. That's a mono unsaturated, but it's a good fat to have. So you got the seasonality aspect that we now are stuck in the world of not being in that seasonality anymore, and yet we have a system being able to break down some fructose into glucose and then make it into fat, store it for later consumption, that is terrible. It not only cranks up our uric acid, which obviously is one of the problems for obesity, type 2 diabetes, cardiometabolic, etc., etc., but it is a problem from everything. So that gift of evolution to get a little fructose that is no longer toxic so we can get that glucose has become a problem. And then we have the sugar alcohols and then we have all the other toxins in this environment that didn't exist back then. Hope that helps. So since we're talking about seasonality, I sort of have to confess we are working on a project here of elderberries. And so far we have about eight plants, elderberries, but when do elderberries actually bury? They bury pretty much late summer. Again, it's fructose, and there are almost no glucose berry. There are fructose and other things. But this, again, if you want to think of yourself as a bear that has to eat all the berries and get fat so it can go hibernate, it's still the same thing we're talking about. It's still the omega-6, if you're eating the grains of late fall, of late fall, of late summer, late fall, whether you're eating the berries of late summer or late fall for the fructose, it's making you fat either way. So here is our six plants of elderberries. They're just in the first year, so of course they're small. But next year, there'll be six, oh, uh, six to eight feet tall, and a couple we have over there. But it is a wonderful harvest of late summer, early fall. That's the point of this is when those harvests things happen. That's when the fructose is high, late summer, early fall. That's when the omega-6 is high for the grains and so on, late summer, early fall that has to be harvested. Times have changed. It's not just fructose of the good old days from fruits, which are what these are. It's the fructose from the, high, from the sugars that we suddenly have in everything, including, including your coleslaw and in, 
including things you probably, in, in your meat, your processed meat, if you were to go to the deli, it would have fructose, high fructose corn syrup in the meat for some reason. Who knows why? Well, we can guess why. But that's the problem. We have it out of seasonality for one, but when you add that into the other artificial sugars, which I'm calling the alcohol sugars, and then you add that into the other environmental toxins that demand your liver to detoxify them, the fuel for detoxification and all the different pathways that the liver has is primarily the ATP by making any of those pathways work. And we deplete that, we make purines. We make purines, we elevate our uric acid. We elevate our uric acid year round. That's a problem. Times have changed. Till next time. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough and many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.